Make no mistake, democracy is in the ballot for all of us. This is a choice we can make. Disunion and chaos are not inevitable. Are you sure about that, Mr. President? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am... From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN. Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950. KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, not to mention all your favorite podcast sites, or at least most of them. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Emphasis on friendly. <laughs> I, and I see no reason anyone could possibly disagree. Hi, Desi Doyen. <laughs> How are you today? I am all right. Well, once again, there is a whole lot going on for a change, especially, by the way, in Trump accountability world. A uh, judge, a state judge, has appointed an independent monitor to oversee his company's finances at the request of New York Attorney General Letitia James to prevent Trump from hiding and moving his money around as he faces a $250 million civil fraud suit right now from the uh, from the state of New York that's now pending against him and his company and his three grown children. That, as that same company, the Trump Organization and its uh, chief financial officer are facing a criminal trial this week for tax fraud, which we haven't had time to cover at all. <laughs> so many crimes, so many trials, so little time. And that is going on right now. Uh, also, Cash Patel, the uh, former Devin Nunes, uh, uh, Nunes, how do you say it? I don't know. <laughs> Nunes. Uh, that, that guy. Uh, <laughs> his uh, former staffer who now works for Donald Trump. He has been granted immunity in order to testify against the disgraced former president in the Mar-a-Lago Stolen documents case before a federal grand jury. And all of that comes just after Trump on Wednesday agreed to a settlement. We don't know for how much, but a settlement with the protesters who allege that his security staff beat them up. They not only allege it, we have seen it in video, beat them up in yeah. uh, in New York on the sidewalk in front of Trump Tower. 
back, uh, I think it was 2015 or 2016, uh, when they uh, beat beat them up for carrying signs that said something like, make immigration great again or something. That settlement came in the middle of jury selection for the trial in that case, even though Trump says he never settles in any lawsuits. But in fact, he always settles. Yes, he does. So right uh, at the last moment. Yep. Nonetheless, uh, as promised, we're going to stay razor focused on this program, most likely between now and Tuesday, with the occasional break for Desi Doyen's Green News Report, just to lighten things up. We got one of those coming up a little bit later. We are going to stay focused on the critical midterm elections, and I mean really critical, where, as Joe Biden said correctly once again on Wednesday night, democracy is on the ballot. It's really democracy versus autocracy, as he correctly pointed out. And yes, against the manufactured chaos that Republicans are absolutely creating all over the country at this point because they believe that it will somehow help their chances of winning on Tuesday. I shall explain. Let's start here. Uh, Maryland's Democratic Attorney General issued a response this week after one statewide campaign was accused of calling on supporters to create late chaos at Maryland polls on November 8. That uh, campaign, who was doing that? Well, that would be Maryland's Republican candidate for attorney general. The accusation of attempting to create voting chaos, according to Maryland's WUSA 9, came after a campaign manager for Michael Perutka, the Republican running in Maryland's attorney general race against Democrat Anthony Brown, had called for a strategy of creating long lines at polling places late on Election Day. Now, it's a little bit difficult to hear the first part of this audio, but what Mackie Stafford, that's Perutka's campaign manager, uh, is asking supporters at a rally for Perutka over this weekend is for voters to vote on November 8 as late as the day, late in the day as possible. And vote on November 8 as late in the day as possible. If everyone could stand in long, long lines at six o'clock, that would actually help us. So, so go as late as you can on Tuesday, and it would really be great if you could stand in long, long lines. You know what? Why would she say that? I'll get to that in a second. But I just want to note here that as Ross Story reports today, Perutka, again, he's running for Maryland's attorney general to be its top law enforcement official. Uh, He is a former board member of the white nationalist neo-Confederate group called League of the South advocating for secession. He says he's, quote, still angry that Maryland was not able to secede during the American Civil War. Sounds like a real charmer. Additionally, oh, you haven't heard the half of it mm. yet, Des. Additionally, Perutka believes that LGBTQ marriage and abortion should be outlawed for going against, quote, God's law. And he has also criticized the entire concept of public education as a communist plot whose goal is to, quote, transform America away from a Christian worldview. Mind you, this is not some, you know, fringe right winger who's hoping, you know, is running for the Republican nomination for some office. 
This guy was already nominated, at least statewide, by Republicans to be their nominee for top cop in Maryland, where, though it tends to be a blue state, at least in presidential elections, yes, they do vote uh, Republicans into statewide office, like their current term-limited Republican governor, Larry Hogan. According to WUSA 9, Perutka is running for Attorney General of Maryland on a platform promising to prosecute public officials for COVID lockdown orders and vaccine mandates. On his Facebook page, Perutka also promises grand jury investigations of discredited claims of election fraud in the 2020 election. He served as a council member. Um, in a, uh, a county and Arundel County from 2014 to 2018. And at that time, two of his campaign workers were criminally convicted of making illegal robocalls that uh, spread anti-gay falsehoods about his opponent. Told you you hadn't heard the half of it. Mm. Ain't he a charmer? So why is this Perutka campaign manager now calling for supporters to vote as late in the day as possible, telling them that it would be good for them if there were really, really long, long lines at the end of the day? Well, Maryland Democrats uh, responded to that remark, charging that Perutka's campaign is, quote, plotting to create chaos and laying the groundwork to challenge the upcoming election. That, according to a Democratic Party press release, of course, Late in the day is when many voters get off work and they head to the polls. It's one of the two sort of rush hours at, uh, on Election Day in the morning before work and in the evening after work. And often after a long work day, uh, they show up. It's before they have had dinner. They're just coming home from work. Or they haven't fed their kids yet. And there are long lines uh, waiting for them if the Republican attorney general candidate has his way here. Long lines at that time would definitely help to discourage voters to cast their votes at all. Potentially, it would you know send them home and likely result in the uh, campaigns being able to claim that. The Republican campaigns, you know, claiming, by the way, that, oh, these polling places that are often run by Democrats in this left lending state, they're a disaster. And somehow, vaguely, they are up to no good because of these long lines. And that, of course, lays the groundwork for any number of various challenges to the results. So it's kind of a, a cleverly insidious tactic. Make the lines longer to turn away people, turn away voters and also put in place the ability to challenge the election on some vague thing that, oh, everything is run terribly. On Tuesday, Maryland's attorney general's office issued a statement saying, quote, anybody who intentionally interferes with someone else's attempt to vote is committing a crime and is subject to prosecution. The director of ACLU of Maryland's Election Protection Program urged an investigation into this. Again, this is not just coming from some supporter. This is coming from the campaign manager of the Republican guy who was running for attorney general. The uh, ACLU uh, person, uh, head of the Election Protection uh, Program, said, quote, The attorney general should investigate to see if this is a pattern, strategy, or talking point, or if this was a one-off, misguided statement by a campaign staffer. Uh, well, I will tell you this. Evidence that we have today 
suggests that, yes, this is absolutely part of a pattern and a strategy by Republicans this year to manufacture chaos at the polls. As we discussed in some detail on our previous broadcast with longtime election and voting system expert Eddie Perez. Maryland's ACLU director went on to say, quote, while we are suspicious of the intent, we trust that no one wants to stand in line and we urge all voters to consider mail-in voting and early voting so they don't have to stand in line on Election Day. Now, that's bad enough. But at that same uh, rally, Dan Cox, the Trump endorsed Republican who is running for Maryland governor. Well, he was there, too. Cox is running against Wes Moore, uh, the Democrat, who, if he wins, he'd be the state's first African-American governor. But Cox actually attended the same rally where Perutka's manager urged supporters to create these long lines of the polling places. If you don't mind, can you go in just five minutes before the polls close? That would be great. Create really long lines for us. Thanks. When asked for comments about the remarks of Perutka's uh, campaign manager, Cox said that uh, the campaign manager does not speak for him and he doesn't know what she was talking about. Did he condemn it? Apparently not. He's fine with it. Whatever it is. I don't know. Whatever it is. She was. I don't know what she was talking about. Of course, he doesn't condemn it. Now, I wish I could say that this was just a one-off, that this was just a campaign manager for a single campaign of some you know, racist Republican in Maryland. But unfortunately, all of this appears to be of a piece with a grand strategy this year by Republicans to manufacture chaos at the polls in varying ways nationally in order to create opportunities to challenge the results if and when they lose on Tuesday. As TPM's Josh Kavinsky reports today, quote, the chaos is the point. Yeah, it's an actual strategy. This is what they're doing. Uh, Kavinsky writes, when pestered with questions about how and why they would gather conservative activists, ask them to masquerade as the real electors in the 2020 election, waiting in the wings to be called forth. Acolytes of former president of the former president constantly returned to one argument. They didn't know that creating fake elector slates was wrong. In December of 2020, they were in a situation of pure legal chaos. They will explain any measure that they took at that time to try to instill order, including creating slates of alternate bogus electors. Well, that was not only legal, but it was prudent, given all the chaos. Underlying the argument is the idea that the legal chaos in the aftermath of an election can justify virtually any measure or any claim. But it neatly sidesteps the fact that Trump allies sought to exploit every single legal avenue, in other words, to cause the chaos from the realistic to the frivolous to the entirely absurd in order to create and then, yes, maximize that chaos. That same approach, he writes, is now beginning to rear its head for the 2022 midterms as some of the same characters who tried and failed to subvert the 2020 presidential election, so chaos again, this time hoping for more favorable results. 
And it seems that the strategy may be far broader than I fear most in the media and or among Democrats and or law enforcement than I feared that they may realize and or prepared to handle. This is not just, you know, single candidates. This is a national strategy reaching all the way down to the grassroots. And it's only sort of now bubbling up and at least beginning to make sense to me. There is this today from Reuters, for example. The canvassers in California's Shasta County, beautiful county, by the way, all the way uh, up north uh, near the border of uh, Oregon in uh, uh, California. The canvassers there wore reflected, reflective orange vests and official-looking badges that read Voter Task Force. Well, that sounds official. This, according to four residents who spoke to Reuters, who said that they mistook these people for government officials. But the door knockers did not explain where to vote. They didn't promote a candidate, which is the usual work of canvassers ahead of a big election. Instead, they grilled residents on their voting history and who lived in their homes, asking probing questions that might have violated state laws on intimidation and harassment, according to the Republican-leaning county's chief election official. At one house, uh, they interrogated a couple about the whereabouts of their adult daughter. At another, they listed names of registered voters and demanded to know if they still lived at the address. Now, mind you, uh, for people who don't understand this, uh, if I, uh, you know, let's say I moved uh, two or three weeks ago, just by way of one example, I moved from one house to another about two or three weeks ago. I'm still allowed to vote at my old address. I may not live there anymore, but I'm still allowed to vote there. So uh, and in this case, they were asking about uh, the adult, their adult daughter who may or may not be away, for example, at college, who, if she wishes, she can still vote at her old home address. In any event, uh, according to Reuters, the incidents highlight how a once routine staple of American elections, door-to-door canvassing, has now been ab- adopted, I would say co-opted, I would say uh, subverted, by Donald Trump's supporters since the 2020 election approve his baseless claims of voter fraud or potentially disenfranchised voters by stoking doubts about voter registration books in 2022 for this election. In at least 19 states, pro-Trump canvassers are using their findings like this, going door to door, to then press election officials to clean up what they claim are inaccurate voter registration lists, arguing that they could open the door to fraudulent voting. And while there are federal laws when it comes to dealing with voter registration lists across the country, particularly in the 90 days before an election, the rules and the laws are different state by state as far as how challengers can challenge voters on those lists. And how those challenges can be made in at least one state, state of Michigan, according to Reuters, these uh, Trump supporters plan to use their list of alleged irregularities in the voting list to challenge voters in the November 8 election. 
these canvassers somehow have been convinced or have convinced themselves to believe that such such efforts are in, uh, uncovering evidence that voting machines were rigged in 2020 to steal the election from Trump, according to a review by Reuters of the group's literature and reports. But the activists often seem more interested in undermining confidence in U.S. democracy than in trying to improve it by actually trying to improve the the voter rolls. Yes, they're interested in creating chaos. And that's according to Arizona's Maricopa County recorder, Stephen Richer, who is a Republican. Remember, Stephen Richer, he won his election against the former Democratic County recorder in Maricopa. That's uh, Phoenix. The uh, former Democratic uh, recorder is Adrian Fontes. Richer, the Republican, defeated Fontes, the Democrat, in the 2020 election, which, as you will recall, many Arizona Republicans are still convinced was stolen from them somehow. Now, Fontes, by the way, for his part, he is the state's Democratic candidate for secretary of state. He is excellent. And not just because he's been on this show. He's <laughs> actually a really good election official. He's, he's running good at election administration. He gives a damn about voters of all parties and no party at all. Anyway, he uh, he's he's running against the Trump endorsed Republican loon Mark Fincham for uh, Arizona and secretary of state. Fincham wants to end early and absentee voting altogether. And he has said that he would not have certified the 2020 election had he been secretary of state at the time, despite every single count and recount and post-election audit showing that, yes, Joe Biden, not Donald Trump, won the state of Arizona fair and square. But anyway, Stephen Richer, uh, the current recorder in Maricopa County, who is a Republican, he told uh, Reuters, quote, they are hoping that we fail. They are hoping that mistakes occur and they're even trying to do things to disrupt the system. Yes, they are manufacturing the chaos that they hope to then use to challenge the results of Tuesday's election. Back in California's Shasta County, where pro-Trump Republicans dominate the local government there, the uh, county election clerk, Kathy Darling Allen, said she noticed these door-to-door canvassing problems in the middle of September when three residents first complained about it on uh, Facebook. When Allen contacted the voters, they all asked whether the county had sent the canvassers. She said that the visitors had nothing to do with her office. A week later, another resident actually called the police when canvassers showed up at his door and demanded voting information that made him suspicious, according to a report by the Reading Police Department. In a public statement, Allen warned that canvassers' actions amounted to intimidation and violations of election laws. So I guess in order to prove that election laws were violated, these people are now violating election laws themselves. She noted, uh, quote, that she was very concerned that it would have a chilling effect on people's willingness to be registered to vote. And that's not okay," she said in an interview with Reuters. So, again, this is not only in California or in Maryland or in Arizona or in Michigan, which is why I want to make sure that you know about it. Should, for example, someone show up at your door uh, appearing to be, you know, doing election work, but then not actually campaigning for anybody, not actually 
you know, pushing for one candidate or for a ballot initiative and perhaps appearing to be to look like a government official of some sort. They are not. They are scam artists. And they are doing this all over the country. And you need to know about it. And if they do show up, by the way, close the door, call the police, call your uh, local and or state election officials, call the media, let them know or and and or dial the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Election Protection Hotline, which is 866-OUR-VOTE. It's a number that I hope you will write down right now. Write it down, 866-OUR-VOTE. Uh, You can call them to report any problems that you may encounter at the polls or that you may hear about or that you have questions about how to vote, where to vote, etc. You can also use their website to report these uh, concerns as well. They're 866-OurVote.org. So Reuters identified at least 23 statewide or uh, local efforts where canvassers may have crossed the line into intimidation According to election officials and voting rights lawyers, some carried weapons, wore badges. Weapons. Yeah. They carried weapons. Yeah. That's not intimidating at all. Not at a guy all. with a gun no. shows up at your door. Yeah. So weapons, badges, they asked people who they voted for or they demanded personal information, according to election officials. These tactics are very concerning, said Y.T. Bell, an election advisor from the uh, Leadership Council, uh, Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights, coalition of more than 200 civil rights groups. Uh, they have said that they have received more such reports than in previous elections. Door-knocking campaigns have been encouraged by some of Trump's staunchest allies. Pillow company owner Mike Lindell a wealthy champion of election fraud election fraud nonsense he's hosted televised conferences where activists tout their findings from these canvases steve bannon the convicted former top trump advisor who has been sentenced to prison but he's been allowed to remain free run free pending appeal he is called for a 50 state canvas On his podcast, this is not an accident. This is not ad hoc. This is coming from the top from folks like Bannon, who has long called for chaos as a political strategy. Guy named Douglas Frank, uh, another Lindell ally um, who travels the country promoting these debunked theories that voting machines were hacked in 2020. He's cheered on these local canvassing teams. He traveled to Shasta County in September At a local church, he told a group that uh, advertised itself as the election task force that Shasta's conservatives had a, quote, good bonfire going, and he urged them to, quote, throw a little gasoline on it. That, according to a video of the speech that was viewed by Reuters, which is just what we need right now. Let's let's throw some more gas on these bonfires, shall we? Alarmed by the call for aggressive canvassing at the supervisor's meeting and in Frank's speech at the church, Shasta County's clerk, Allen, wrote federal, state and local law enforcement on September 15, saying that the uh, canvassing, quote, likely constitutes one or more crimes under California law regarding voter intimidation. The same thing has been reported in Pennsylvania, in Oregon, in New Mexico, in Colorado, and a whole bunch of other states with critical contests on the ballot this year. So now, back to Josh Kavinsky at TPM. 
who reports that in 2020, laying the groundwork for this kind of chaos relied heavily on filing numerous lawsuits to keep the sense of controversy alive. He reports that the idea then was that if the Trump campaign could cite all of these ongoing court cases, well, they could use that to then claim that the election result was really somehow up in the air. It was still in doubt. Who knows? We have all of these court cases. And, of course, they could then use that to appeal to Congress to toss out the results from those states where, gosh, who knows who actually won or lost? We can't. It's all in the courts right now. You know, it's only prudent to have alternate slates of electors on standby just in case. In 2020, the Trump campaign uh, rogue attorney John Eastman, he sought to create uncertainty by filling by filing those lawsuits in the first place, writes Kavinsky. That was the strategic choice, creating chaos by contesting the results, thereby providing a basis to preemptively ready these fake elector slates. How exactly the strategy will carry forward after the 2022 midterms remains unclear right now, says Josh, though I think it's becoming pretty clear. Eastman, he's already prepping activists to work toward legal challenges to the election results. According to audio obtained by the investigative nonprofit Documented, Eastman told an Albuquerque summit of the right-wing Election Integrity Network just last month, about two weeks ago, on October 19, that he planned to involve himself personally in efforts to challenge the results of the 2022 uh, midterms, and he advised those in attendance to document everything that they could regarding anything that they saw or imagined or believed could possibly be suspect in any way so that he could then use that as the basis for a court challenge on or after Election Day, whether it was legitimate or not. Document what you've seen and you raise the challenge and which of the judges on that election board declined to accept your challenge. Get it all written down. That can become the basis for an affidavit It's a little hard to hear there as John Eastman document what you've seen, raise the challenge, note which of the judges on that election board declined to accept your challenge, get it all written down. Then it becomes the basis for an affidavit in a court uh, in a court challenge after the fact. Now, in 2020, Trump was able to use an endless series of affidavits and lawsuits all around the country. Do you remember this? Oh, my God. It was a flood of affidavits. To, yeah. To so spurious claims of fraud. He would. We have thousands and thousands of affidavits attesting to fraud all over the country under penalty of prison. So clearly we've never seen anything like this. There has been just uh, unspeakable fraud everywhere across the country. Otherwise, you wouldn't have thousands and thousands of Americans risking prison to fill out these affidavits. Eastman's comments suggest an effort to prepare for similar litigation this year and that that is now underway. Forewarned is forearmed, as they say. I think that's what they say. That is what they say. And this is certainly almost certainly coming within now within days. And I want you to know about it this time in advance. Do not be caught by surprise. It is the plan. It is not actual fraud. The plan is to confuse you, to confuse the media who won't you know, be able to see straight through all of the manufactured chaos that may occur on Tuesday. Not to alarm you, but you should know about it.
They are laying the groundwork to repeat the playbook that Eastman pioneered in 2020, accumulating legal challenges. Whether they're legitimate or not, it doesn't matter. Bolstered, bolstered by conspiracy theorizing affidavits in order to apply pressure on state officials to subvert the election in one way or another. And it is not just, you know, Republican campaigns and Republican attorneys. You can and should expect, just like last time, all of the right wing media outlets, they're they're going to be playing along. And not just playing along, but they will be pushing all of this same nonsense. They will be the ones that are selling it. We will be the ones probably debunking it after we investigate it. But they will be selling it on the right wing media. Thousands of affidavits, statistical impossibilities that, you know, X, Y or Z Republican could possibly have lost that race. Not in a midterm election year when the Democrats control the White House and Congress. It should be a red wave this year. If it's not, it's all a scam. It's all fraudulent. That's what they're going to say. And it's going to be on the media. And folks like Fox News and their top personality, Tucker Carlson, well, he has already been laying the groundwork for exact, exactly that. Carlson suggested to his viewers just last week that a victory for the Democrats in Pennsylvania, where John Fetterman, who recently suffered a stroke five months ago, has been but has been leading in the polls against TV doctor Mehmet Oz for months and months and months. Well, if Fetterman wins, it could only be illegitimate. They can even run mentally defective candidates who can barely speak and not only expect them to win, but expect you to accept the outcome no matter how transparently absurd it is. On November 9th, they'll be telling you that John Fetterman got 81 million votes in Pennsylvania and they'll threaten to put you in jail if you don't believe it. Why wouldn't they do that? They work with Joe Biden. <laughs> You see, because they're both mentally deficient. Apparently. Joe Biden is old and therefore he's senile. And even though John Fetterman, Fetterman had, a, had a stroke. so Right. And even though he has some issues with temporary issues with auditory processing, you know, no. of course, he's been leading in the polls, mentally, as you said, the entire time. No, but he's mentally deficient. He couldn't possibly win, despite the fact that he has always been leading in the polls from the jump. Now, by the way, if they do say that John Fetterman got 81 million votes... Uh, I will be the first one in line to say, nope, that's fraudulent. There are not 81 million votes in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, and no one is going to threaten to put anyone in jail if they make that claim in the event that John Fetterman gets 81 million votes. But this is not just, you know, Carl, uh, Tucker Carlson's opportunism, according to Kavinsky. It's one example of the lingering consequences of the Trump campaign's post-2020 election attempt to subvert the results. It is now being projected forward into 2022 and, yes, beyond. John Eastman, Carlson, Trump himself are asking their followers to assume that results which go against the GOP could not possibly be credible. Or as uh, Trump you know, purportedly told his cohort, cohorts in uh, 2020, all that was needed was for the election to just be declared as corrupt. It doesn't actually have to be. Just say the election was corrupt, he told a top DOJ official at the time, Richard Donahue. 
you recall this, telling, uh, saying at the time that he, he just wanted the DOJ to say that they had found evidence of fraud. It didn't matter if they actually had any. And he added at the time, according to Donahue, quote, leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman. So I just want you to know that this is coming. As important and as absolutely critical as it is for you to get out and vote, if you haven't already done so this year, and to help everyone that you know to do the same, family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors, whoever, well, I want to say politically harass them to make sure they <laughs> vote, but that's probably not a good word to use these days. Nudge them. But uh, yes, uh, uh, annoy them uh, to make sure that they vote. Uh, but, you know, we have said it time and time again, and President Biden reiterated it correctly once again on Wednesday night. Democracy itself is very much on the ballot this year. In fact, it is democracy versus autocracy. I think you can tell which side is which. Because these people will do and are proving that they will do whatever they need to do in order to win whatever kind of dirty tricks, whatever kind of chaos, whatever sand that they need to throw into democracy's gears in order to win by hook or by crook, they will do it. Emphasis on crook. And if they are successful this year and they seat election liars who are now running in all 50 states, they will actually have the power as elected officials to game the election no matter how Americans vote in 2024 in the next presidential election. This is not a drill. This is for real. This is why I've been, yes, annoying and harassing you for weeks and months now about this election. But I want you to know in advance about what is most likely coming in a few days. So at least you will know uh, that, you know, when it shows up, you will not be caught by surprise by all the smoke and the mirrors that they are planning on most likely issuing. As they used to say, now, you know, and via radio. More broadcast and Desi Doyen's Green News Report is still ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. Please help us continue that fight over your public airwaves by stopping by Bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We covered a, a number of the many already pending election challenges, lawsuits already underway on a previous program. There are at least 100 that have been filed around the country already, mostly by Republicans, according to AP, uh, challenging the ability for voters to vote or have their votes counted as cast, etc., the Democratic uh, suits that have been filed have generally been to make it easier for people to vote and so forth. I noted the uh, case in Pennsylvania where the state Supreme Court has said perfectly legal absentee ballots that arrived at the county on or before Election Day may still not be counted if the voter forgot to put a date 
on the outside of the envelope, which is meaningless, or if they put the wrong date on it, like their birthday or the wrong year or something like that, even though that discounting those ballots would violate the Federal Civil Rights Act. Nonetheless, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said that they have to now segregate those ballots and we'll see if they get counted at all. They may not be counted right away. That is causing chaos, as I noted yesterday, for uh, election officials in Pennsylvania. We also covered the federal court ruling ordering armed, masked, tactical gear clad wearing right wingers to stay at least 250 feet away from the voters who are dropping off absentee ballots at the drop box in various Arizona counties and that they may not photograph or videotape them. Also, uh, we discussed the ruling from the Nevada Secretary of State that an attempt at hand counting early and absentee ballots in one county, Nye County, must uh, end after because the counters were revealing the results in violation of an order from the state Supreme Court. And yet, uh, here's another one worth letting you know about that we did not have time for yesterday. A pending lawsuit in Illinois brought by a Republican congressman and two GOP officials could invalidate potentially tens of thousands of mailed general election ballots that are cast by Illinois voters, including military members serving overseas. These would be absentee ballots that are postmarked on or before this coming election day, but they are received by election authorities afterward. Now, I'm old enough to remember when Republicans pretended to be furious about the idea of not counting military ballots, especially from, you know, military stationed overseas. And I'm old enough to remember when they were furious about not counting those ballots, even when they were not postmarked by or before Election Day, as in Florida in uh, the year 2000, when they accused Al Gore of hating the military. Because remember this, because those ballots were uh, actually unlawful under Florida statute at the time. But Gore was so harangued by the right and the media and everyone else that he eventually agreed to allow those ballots to be counted, ended up losing, at least in the official count, by just a couple hundred votes in the state. But now Republicans are trying to disqualify military ballots that nobody disputes were legally cast by or before Election Day, but they happen to take a while to get there from overseas through the postal system. The lawsuit led by four-term U.S. Rep. Mike Bost, echoes some of the rejected court challenges that were filed by former President Donald Trump in other states in the lead-up to the 2020 presidential election that he falsely contends was stolen. At issue is a 2015 state law that allows vote-by-mail ballots to be counted if they are received within 14 days after Election Day if they were postmarked on or before the final day of voting. If the ballots lack a postmark, which is the case with uh, some that go through the post office, or if it's illegible, uh, ballots can be counted if the voter dated and signed the ballot on or before Election Day. The suit seeks to have no vote-by-mail ballots counted that are received after November 8, no matter what, no matter how they are dated, postmarked, or anything else. 
Congressman Bost filed the lawsuit along with a member of the Republican State Central Committee and a Trump elector from Illinois in 2020. The lawsuit was filed by the far-right legal outfit Judicial Watch, which was among the groups that assisted Trump's efforts to try to steal the uh, election in 2020, to try to stop the counting of mail-in ballots after Election Day that year. Tom Fenton, the head of the uh, the right-wing group, told the New York Times back in 2020, quote, it's Election Day, not Election Week or Month. That's a claim that he's repeated in the uh, in objecting to the Illinois law in this case. Fenton is also, in case you forgot, he's also the misfit who falsely advised Donald Trump that, yeah, you can go ahead and steal any documents you want from the White House. They belong to you. And don't let anyone tell you any different. No matter how top secret they are, you can take them to Mar-a-Lago. You own those, not the federal government. So that's the kind of, you know. Uh, legal advice that you're going to get from this guy, Tom Fenton, that guy. In defending the state law, the Illinois Attorney General's office, headed by a Democrat, counters that the Illinois statute is, quote, crucial to ensuring the voting rights of millions of Illinoisians, (laughs) I think that's how you say it, who avail themselves of the right to vote by mail. Without it, those voters risk disenfranchisement despite timely casting their ballots due to delayed mail delivery and or inconsistent postmarking practices, the AG's office said. The suit was filed in May. It was filed in May in U.S. District Court in Chicago. Nonetheless, that suit remains pending before Judge John Ness with Election Day just days away. Why is that suit still pending? Why do we have no ruling in this case when it was filed in May? With the election now just days away, well, Judge Ness was appointed to the federal bench by Donald Trump. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, if that may offer us any clues or not. But in the 2020 presidential election, one third of the nearly 6.1 million votes that were cast in Illinois were mail-in ballots. Of that, an estimated 266,000 were received and counted after Election Day, 266,000. That was in 2020. There may not be as many absentee ballots this year. That was a presidential election year. But we're talking about, in that case, four, almost four and a half percent of all the votes that were cast in Illinois in 2020 actually showed up after Election Day. Four percent, of course, is more than enough to sway the results of any number of elections in Illinois this year. And Republicans do not want those votes counted, even if they are members from our military serving overseas. Why do Republicans hate the military? That's my question. The uh, state is among 18 that have an extended ballot receipt deadline beyond Election Day. The uh, attorney general of the uh, U.S. Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, has uh, rung in on this to say that permitting the counting of otherwise valid ballots cast by Election Day, even though they're received thereafter, does not violate federal law. Uh, uh, This practice not only complies with federal law, but can be vital in ensuring the military and overseas voters are able to exercise their right to vote as if these people care. By the way, Bost himself served as a Marine 
from 1979 to 1982. How nice of him. Yeah. Apparently, he just doesn't care about the votes of those who are still serving, I guess. Doesn't give a damn. Hell of a guy. Boss's attorneys uh, write in this case, quote, No one is disenfranchised (laughs) if unlawful ballots received after Election Day are not counted. But, of course, these are not unlawful ballots. They are lawful ballots. The Republicans just hope to make them so with this lawsuit. And with this uh, Trump-appointed judge apparently taking his sweet time uh, in ruling on it, I guess they'll wait until afterwards. I guess they'll wait until they see how things go. I guess they'll wait until they see if they need those ballots or not. Exactly. Or in Illinois, if they need to throw those ballots away or not. Just more of the chaos that uh, now you know about in advance of the 2022 elections. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with Desi Doyen and the latest Green News report. No chaos there. I'm Brad Friedman, <laughs> and you are listening to the Bradcast. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. So, Des, I got a very nice uh, note from someone on the Facebooks oh, nice. uh, yesterday, uh, a, a message uh, thanking us for the work that we do here on the Bradcast Aww. that uh, both I and, as he described you, your climate control partner <laughs> uh, does on the, on the show every day. Oh, I wish. I wish I had climate control. <laughs> you just wave cool. your, yeah, wave my cool. hand and make it all good again. All right, climate control lady, <laughs> let's get to it. Our latest Green News Report. It's a, a disaster of monumental uh, dimensions. Humanitarian crisis worsens in Central Africa amid massive flooding. Toxic air pollution 10 times worse in communities of color, plus... In addition to lowering costs and creating jobs, this investment will also help us fight the climate crisis. Biden administration invests billions to help lower home heating costs. Winter is coming. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. This was a high-stakes election because Bolsonaro is known for embracing fascism and overseeing a surge in deforestation in the Amazon. And as any Brazilian will tell you, deforestation should happen only along the bikini line. (laughs) Are we working blue now? I think we're working blue now. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, thank you for covering this story in Africa. Yes, unfortunately, shocking new satellite images have revealed the widespread devastation caused by massive flooding across West and Central Africa. Record intense seasonal rains in October linked to man-made climate change have submerged farmland in 19 countries, destroying crops, displacing millions, and spreading waterborne diseases. In Nigeria, the floods are among the worst in that country's history. 
history with flood victims now forced to drink and use contaminated flood waters despite the risk of cholera. The United Nations has requested more international aid to mitigate the growing humanitarian crisis. Are they going to get it? We'll see. Here in the U.S., it's been known for decades that communities of color are exposed to more toxic air pollution than predominantly white communities. But a new study out this week has found that racially segregated communities are also exposed to far higher concentrations, specifically of airborne toxic metals like lead, nickel and chromium from nearby industry at a rate nearly 10 times higher. The study also confirmed that overall, communities of color bear a disproportionate burden of pollution, breathing double the levels of all types of air pollution than more well-integrated communities. In Southern California, a new study concludes that nearly a third of the Southern Sierra Nevada's forests have been lost to drought, fire, and insect infestations over the last 10 years. A third? Yes. Overall, the researchers found 85% of the Southern Sierra's mature forests lost density, with some areas shifting permanently into non-forest vegetation, like shrubs. That sucks. That's one of my favorite places to go camping. In other news, the U.K.'s new prime minister, Rishi Sunak, has reversed course and is now no longer too busy to attend the next U.N. climate treaty summit in Egypt in a few days. He issued a statement saying there is, quote, no long-term prosperity without action on climate change. So he was going to try to duck out before? Oh, yes, he did. Well, you know, the one thing that Boris Johnson was not terrible on was actually the climate. Am I right? You are correct. And Green Party Parliament member Caroline Lucas agrees. Well, of course, I'm glad he's made another screeching U-turn. But what an embarrassment. What an embarrassment that he's had to be shamed into doing the right thing, maybe for fear of being upstaged by Boris Johnson, who is going to the, to the climate summit. And what a failure of leadership. Yeah, totally. They ought to get a new prime minister in Great Britain. Another one? Why not? It's been weeks since the latest one. Some good news. No, the U.S. is not on the verge of running out of diesel fuel. Despite some very scary headlines, energy experts say no, the U.S. will not run out of diesel despite a temporarily tight supply, which is primarily due to the slow reopening of refineries that were closed during the pandemic. So life is not coming to a screeching halt here in the U.S. Correct. Someone let Fox News know, please. More good news. The Biden Interior Department has selected the first two areas for offshore wind development in the Gulf of Mexico, clearing the way for wind projects off the coast of Louisiana and Texas to begin. Nice. I hope there are no dangerous wind spills in the Gulf. Finally, Vice President Kamala Harris was in Boston on Wednesday to announce new funding to help Americans afford higher fossil fuel heating costs this winter, boosting reserves for the low-income home energy assistance program to help cover heating costs and utility bills. In addition, $9 billion from the Democrats' Inflation Reduction Act will also go to help homeowners electrify their homes by cutting the upfront cost of weatherizing and upgrading for energy efficiency including next-generation electric heat pumps, water heaters, and more. By helping families pay the upfront cost for energy efficiency upgrades to their homes, we are also lowering energy bills, bringing down household costs, creating jobs, and fighting the climate crisis. Sounds terrible. Winter is coming. 
For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.brandblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. Very nice. Thank you very much, Desi Doyne. Very scary. <laughs> yeah. Scary. By the way, that, that program that they're now spending billions on, isn't that a program that Donald Trump was trying to kill when he Why, was in office? Yes, it is. Very the nice. The Low Income Heating and Energy Assistance Program, which helps low-income families afford their utility bills, especially heating in the wintertime. That was something that Trump wanted to cut in every single budget that he put out during his administration. Because why do poor people need heat in the winter? I well, mean, it's... Well, the military needed more money, so that's where he was going to cut it to give the military military more money and of course to build his border wall so you know priorities how awesome of him nonetheless awesome of you desi doyan uh thank you very much you can by the way uh find and follow her on the twitters at green news report you can even drop her email if you like she is (laughs) green news at brad no green news at bradblog.com there you go if you want to get in touch with the climate control lady (laughs) Uh, you can uh, thank you very much, uh, Desi Doyen. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can always download them all for free at bradblog.com. That is made possible by those of you kind enough to hit one of them donate buttons over there at bradblog.com, or you can just go straight to bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I am Bradcast at bradblog.com and on the Facebooks and the Twitters I am the Brad Blog that is it by the way if you haven't voted already have I mentioned you should get out and vote please do that uh, sometime this weekend maybe or you know by no later than Tuesday and if you have voted help somebody else vote be their vote Sherpa because it can be really confusing so you can be somebody who helps somebody else exercise their right to vote says desi i totally disagree with her. <laughs> all right that's it uh we will see you at all of the above places until we see you here next time i'm brad friedman good luck world Although we haven't even gotten through this year's midterm congressional elections, it's still not too early to start examining some of the characters who hope you will make them president in 2024. I know you don't want to, but we must. That's because corporate elites have already chosen their favorites, and they intend to use massive sums of money, lies, more money, PR slickum, and even more money to slide their toady into the Oval Office, hoping you don't discover, until it's too late, that their chosen one really is a toad. Take Ron DeSantis, the GOP's far-right, power-hungry, narcissistic Florida governor, promises to be the next Donald Trump, only more effective and not as nice. For example, his favorite gubernatorial hobby is the Orwellian practice of monitoring and censoring people's speech and thoughts, culling out ideas he deems objectionable. Don't say gay is his most infamous dictate to the state's teachers, but he has also outlawed any teachings that might, quote, denigrate the founding fathers. Nor will he tolerate the study of institutional racism in America. Indeed, he has even mandated that social studies textbooks, get this, must not include concepts of social justice. Ron adamantly opposes what right-wingers call a woke society. He wants one that's asleep. 
sound asleep. He recently rallied his right-wing cadre to ban some math textbooks. Yes, math. They screeched that some real-life topics like wage disparities are being used to make math problems relevant to today's students. So it was Fahrenheit 451 for those books. Thus far, DeSantis's censorship binge has nixed 42 math books for, quote, incorporating prohibited topics. This is Jim Hightower saying, Did I mention that DeSantis is also forming his own gubernatorial military force? A state army he can deploy in emergencies. What's an emergency? He says he'll decide. The Hightower Radio Lowdown is made possible by you lowdowners who subscribe to our monthly newsletter, The Hightower Lowdown. You know who you are. Thank you.